Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here tonight, Lord, and we thank you for those who are here. We just pray that you'd bless this service tonight, Lord, and that we could hear from you and hear from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to Second Chronicles in chapter 1. Second Chronicles in chapter 1. just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be able to go. I got to uh, go down with uh, family to Oklahoma City and then stick around. It was alumni days, homecoming week there at Heartland. I got to see some people I hadn't seen in some seniors, people who were seniors my freshman year. They were coming back and doing some of the preaching and that. And then also, it was kind of neat, they had a 2004 Glory Bound reunion which that was the year that we first had a Heartland group at this church. That was the same quartet that came, to, came here and sang at this church when I was 11 years old, I think. And so they had the same guys there who were singing, and they're all in ministry now doing different things, and it was, it was a blessing to see. They still sounded great. It was, it was kind of neat, and um, appreciate the opportunity to be able to go down there and just um, hear some good preaching and meet um, um, Renew some old acquaintances and have some fun there. But um, we're going to try to um, get into the Word of God tonight and um, pray that the Lord will help us. Let's go ahead and read Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 1 through... We're going to stop in verse number 12, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us tonight. In the book, here's what it says. And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom. And the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from kirjath Jerem to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Beziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord. And Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. In that night did God appear unto Solomon, said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, nor yet hast thou asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king, 
Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and honor, riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. I pray that um, your word would be free to speak tonight, Lord, that you would speak through me. Just help me to um, communicate your word. Just give me um, grace, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Living for God today, in this world, or at any time, always trying to live for God and do what God wants us to do in our lives, always requires wisdom and knowledge that we do not possess in our lives. That we do not possess naturally. Anything we attempt to do for God is if we are going to do it the way God wants us to do it, requires wisdom that can only come from God. It requires a knowledge that can only come from God. Raising a family in New York City, Brother Jason now has a little one, and he's going to be looking at raising. Or, there's other parents in here, Brother Dave has kids, my dad has kids, Raise, Brother Franz, the Riveras, there's people in here who have kids. Raising family, raising children in New York requires wisdom and knowledge. I don't know personally, but that's what the Bible says. It requires wisdom and knowledge that you and I do not possess. I think I can get an amen from parents on that. It requires wisdom and knowledge that we don't possess in ourselves. Even being single or married, whatever your station is in life, is going to require wisdom and knowledge from God that you and I do not possess. Sometimes you and I can feel so inadequate in doing what God has asked us to do. How how many remember the first time you tried to drive a car? The very first time you got in a car and then you turned on the ignition or they said, wait a second, you've got to turn the key on first? You've got to do that? If you're going to drive a car and you stepped on the gas and the car went much faster than you expected it to do. It suddenly wasn't as easy as it looked when your parents were driving that car or when your friend was driving that car. Suddenly, you were feeling very, very inadequate to be able to drive that car. And then they said, turn out on the road. Like where there's real cars going and people trying to cut me off in New York City. Thankfully, my dad started me off in a parking lot and started me off in park and said, Just rev the engine just a little bit. See if you can hold it at 2,000 RPM steady before you even put that car in drive. We're not even doing anything until you can learn how to do that. Why? Because I was very inadequate to be able to drive a car. But as I go through life now, now I have a CDL. Now I drive the church van. Now I do not feel as inadequate to drive the car, to drive the van, because I've had some training. I've had some experience driving a car. But as we go through life, we never can reach a point spiritually where we say, well, I have experience. I know what I'm doing. I can just hop in the car of life, we may use the illustration, and just go. There's never a time where we should lose the sense of inadequacy when we're trying to serve God. We always must be dependent upon the wisdom and knowledge that can only come from God. 
And we are not the only ones who have ever felt inadequate to do the work that God has called us to do. Solomon here in this passage was a brand new king in a somewhat turbulent time in Israel's history. He was following David, who unmistakably was one of the Bible claims, was one of the greatest kings Israel ever had. The greatest king Israel ever had. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He had taken Israel from being an insignificant nation under the time of Saul, where it was constantly under the oppression of the Philistines. And David, his father, had brought it to a place to now they had rest Round about. His, the armies under David had defeated the Philistines, had defeated the Amorites, had gone through and brought peace to the land of Israel. Israel was now a nation to be reckoned with. Israel was now a nation that had the blessings of God upon it. But at the end of David's life, because of David's sin with Bathsheba, there had been some turmoil that had come into the land. Absalom had rebelled, Solomon's older brother had rebelled, and almost had succeeded in taking the throne, almost had succeeded in even killing David, his father, and usurping the throne. So there was that turmoil. Then there was a rebellion under Sheba, who was a Benjamite. And he tried to rebel against the king. And then just recently, just before Solomon was crowned king, actually which led to the exact time when Solomon was crowned, Solomon's brother Adonijah tried to take the throne. And he had taken one of the, um, the army, the general's army, Joab. And he had taken one of the priests and he had got Adonijah had and had gotten together and had tried to take the throne away from Solomon, who God had said the throne is going to go to Solomon. So David had then taken and crowned Solomon and he became the king of Israel at the same time. And Adonijah then tried to do some other things so he could get in a position to try to take the throne. And he had had to been put to death. Same as Joab and some other people. And Zadok had been put out of the priesthood because of his rebellion against David the king. So Solomon was coming as a young man from the best we can figure out. He's probably around the age of 22, around right around my age actually. And here he is, the king of Israel. It's not like he's even the president of the United States where there's other people who control some of what he does. He's an absolute monarch. What he says goes. He has counselors around him, yes. But Solomon here is in charge of this nation that is supposed to be following God. He's following David, his father. He is, he's had, um, David, his father's counselors. Many of them are not in that position anymore. He's a new king. The only, there's only been two kings so far. There was Saul, whose reign ended in a disaster. And then there was David. Now there's Solomon. And he's got to be feeling some of the pressure of this that is coming upon him. Not only the pressure of just being a king, but of the expectations that people have on him to be a godly leader. And he desires to be a godly leader. He desires to lead Israel in the way that God wants them to do to go. David has spent time training his son Solomon. David has spent time trying to lead Solomon in the way he needs to go, teaching him, making sure that Solomon has a heart for God. And here he is, a newly minted king. And all of Israel's looking to him. There's great expectations on him. 
And you have to understand Solomon is feeling very inadequate at this time. But that's good. Solomon's first action after he established the throne. We're going to go through this passage. In verse number 1 it says, it's kind of a little bit of an overview verse. And it says, Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom. Now the word strengthened there in the verb tense, it has the idea that this was Solomon's doing. Solomon, it it references back to when Solomon had to um, put down Adonijah had to take out Joab as the general of the army and promote Benaniah. What he was doing was he was strengthening the kingdom. If you look up this word in other areas, it's talking about people. He was establishing his throne, that Solomon was going to be the king. His removing obstacles politically, that he was going to be the king, that God had set him up. He was removing the people that had rebelled against God, and he was putting them down. But... Not only had he strengthened his kingdom, it says, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. As Solomon was seeking to solidify where God had placed him as king, God magnified him. And God was lifting him up. And God was putting him in the position that he was supposed to be in. So that's what's happening. He has strengthened his kingdom. He said, all right, now there's no more of um, other people with claims to the throne or people who are going to try to step in and usurp him. He's the king. He's established as the king. God has magnified him. People know he is the king. They know God is working in his life. And Solomon's first action as a, as a solid king of Israel is in verse number 2 and 3. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel... To the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. What he does is he brought together, Solomon brings together the leadership of Israel to seek and worship God. He goes through all the land of Israel, he gets the military leaders, he gets the captains of thousands, captains of hundreds. What those were would be almost like we would think if we read of American history back in the beginning, town militias. It would have been um, when they said, we're raising an army to go to war. These captains of thousands would have said, all right, so many men are coming from this group. So many men are coming from this group. They would have taken their bands to where the king was raising the army. So these were the military leaders of Israel. And he called all of them from all Israel to come together to worship God. And then he talks about the judges and the, um, the judges and every governor. These are the, the judges would be the spiritual leaders that God had placed in the cities to where there was di- um, disputes. Back in, remember back when Moses had first set up, he was the only judge and his father-in-law came and said, you need to set up some other people and that tradition had been passed down. So in towns you would have the elders, men who were known for their walk with God would be set up as people who would solve minor disputes between people. And so he calls the spiritual leaders, and then the governors would be the political leaders, people who had been elected. He calls all the leadership of Israel together and says, we are going to start our this kingdom, we're going to start this reign as my king, seeking after God. He gathers them all together, and they go up to the tabernacle, the same Thing that Moses had built in the books of Exodus where we read about that and all the different intricate detail, details excuse me, that have been put in. Solomon gathers all the leadership of Israel and they go up to Gibeon to seek 
and to worship God. And he offers of his own flocks, the Bible says, a thousand burnt offerings. So this was a, a big deal. He was taking saying, we're initiating this kingdom. We're initiating my reign as king with seeking God. It was very, very important to Solomon that they started out that way. This was, and, but this wasn't something that he was doing saying, I am the king. Look at all what I'm doing. You know, I was doing some study on the airplane coming back today, and I was reading some commentaries, and some people were like, one um, commentary was talking about how all these ancient kings, this was something that everybody would do. They would go to their gods, but, and they would do this big show, and then they would sleep in front of their altar trying to get this special dream from their god speaking to them. And in the Greek word for that is balagna, um, just a bunch of baloney. Because that's not what Solomon was doing here. He wasn't following in the steps of all the ancient heathen kings that he's going to offer all these offerings to appease the gods so they will speak to him. That's not what Solomon's doing here. Solomon is bringing together the leadership of Israel and saying, we are going to start just as David, my father, had a heart after God, we're going to start our kingdom seeking after God. That's all he's doing. He's saying, we need to worship and seek after God if we're going to have God's blessings on our life. This was a young man who lacked confidence in his own ability and realized his need for leadership of God. He needed the leadership of God in his life if he was going to be the king that God wanted him to be. Because David had already talked to his son and said, you are going to be the one who's going to build the temple. David had already made the preparations. He had Dave, most of what we talk about with the temple, with all the metal, with all the work that was put in. David had stockpiled hundreds and thousands of pounds of silver and thousands of pounds of gold from the battles that David had won. He had conquered cities and conquered people who were against God and had taken the gold and silver and brass from them and brought them back to Jerusalem and had been saving that for the building of the temple. And David had instilled in the heart of his son Solomon, you are going to be the one to build the temple. And Solomon said, if I'm going to do that, I have to start out seeking after God. So what did God do in response to this worship? It's as David, you see, look at the end of verse number five. And Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. They went to the temple, they went to the tabernacle of God. The temple wasn't built yet, obviously. They went to the tabernacle of God, and all of them sought unto it. They were seeking God, they were inquiring after God, worshiping God. And God responded to Solomon. And the Bible says, and, and if we cross reference it into Kings, where there's the um, parallel account, it says that, that the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And told Solomon to ask what he desired. Um, in verse number 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Now, actually, the word ask there is an imperative. It's a command. He's saying, Solomon, ask what I will give thee. What do you want of me? It wasn't that Solomon had gone there and offered all these offerings so he could get God to respond to them. He was seeking God and God was saying, what is your desire? 
What are you desiring of me? And Solomon had been seeking seeking God because he needed God. And here's here's how Solomon responded. He responded to God's offer. Say, "What, what do you need? Ask what I give thee. What do you want me to give thee? And Solomon responded with humility and a request for God's wisdom to enable him to accomplish what God had set before him. Here's, let's read Solomon's um, prayer and answer to God, verses in, starting in verse number 8. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude, Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? Here's how Solomon responds. He says, listen, you've already showed great mercy to my father David. The word word mercy there... It's the same word that refers back to all the covenant promises that God had given to David. Um, as um, pastor has been going through the covenants, we haven't gotten to the Davidic covenant yet. It will come in a couple weeks. But it's basically God promised that um, David's line would continue on the throne and eventually and forever, which that promise will eventually be filled in Jesus Christ whose lineage goes back through David, his physical lineage goes back through David. So there was great promises hooked up to David's line in the kingdom. And um, Solomon is referring to that. He didn't know about Jesus Christ necessarily. He didn't know all that was coming, but he knew that God's promises had been given to his father and that were being passed down to him now as the king. And he's saying, you've showed great mercy. You've You've given so much to my father David And now I'm the king, and I'm in as much need of what you gave my father David as he was. I'm in more need. Because he goes back and refers to, he says, you've given, as king, there's now this people that I must rule that is the dust of the the earth in multitude. And then he says, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? What Solomon is saying is saying, I need your mercy because you have put me in a position to do something I am not capable to do. He's saying, I can't rule your people that you have given me the way you need me to. So what I need is I need your wisdom and I need your knowledge. Wisdom is something that only comes from God. It's discernment. Knowledge is what wisdom is how to use knowledge. He says, I need knowledge. I need to know. I need to know what needs to happen. And then I need wisdom to take that knowledge and apply it so I can correctly rule your people. So I can make decisions that will honor you. Because this isn't my people. This is your people. He remembered that this was something that had been given to him by God. And he's saying, God, I need your wisdom, I need your understanding, because I am inadequate to do what you have called me to do. 
And, Saul, and God responds to him. And God says, and, in verse number 11, And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart. That's what grabbed the, the, that phrase is there, what grabbed me when I was reading, doing my regular devotions. God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart. And thou ask not riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, nor yet hast asked long life, but it has asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Solomon, if, if you're going to be a king, that requires money. If you're going to have an army, if you're going to be a king and lead people, you need finances to be able to do that. Or, it's, um, you read any political um, paper today, and what you're going to hear about is people wanting to, I wonder how I'm going to remember that. I want to build my legacy. How many have heard statements like that and almost puked? Me, especially. But I know many people, you talk about people who want to build their legacy. Whatever. That's not what Solomon was asking for. He wasn't saying, I want to be greater than my father David. I, I want to have as great a legacy as David. So people will say, I was a great king when I'm gone. People will remember me. I don't want to be super rich. That wasn't what was in Solomon's heart. What was in Solomon's heart was, God has given me a responsibility that I am inadequate to fill, and I must have the wisdom and understanding of God if I am going to do what God has called me to do. That was his heart was, I can't do it. I need you to do what you have called me to do. And what God says when God... Here's, now, God knew how Solomon was going to respond. But it was Solomon's heart that allowed God to respond in such a way. He says, because this was your heart, because you came seeking me, dependent upon me, now I can give you something that I couldn't have given to you if that is what you were seeking. Because you're seeking me and dependent on me, I can give you that and I can give you the riches. I can give you the wealth. I can give you the honor because you're going to use that to serve me. You're going to use what I give you to serve me. You're going to use the, the riches in Solomon. Um, God says there that no king up to that point or after would have the riches or the wisdom or the honor that Solomon would have. And Solomon was able to have that because his heart was right with God. God was able to grant Solomon great wisdom and great blessings because he humbly sought God and His wisdom to enable him to lead God's people. He enabled, he sought God's wisdom and God's ability to enable him to do the work that God had called him to do. That's why God could bless Solomon with wisdom. Now, Solomon later in his life stepped away from that. As I talked in the beginning about driving, he got comfortable. He realized, well, I've got wisdom. I've got understanding. And he began to rely on himself. But at this point in his reign as king, he was still humble. He was still seeking after God. But so often in our own lives, 
We tend to seek what we need to complete God's calling in our lives. Okay? You know, well, God has told me, I, you know, God has put in my life the fact that I am, you know, going to work this job. So if I'm going to work this job, I need to be able to have this, this, and this so I can work this job. Or if, as I mentioned, if I'm going to raise kids in New York City, well, court, if I read what the newspaper says, I need to have this much money and I need to send them to this type of school, and I need to do this, this, and this if I'm going to raise my kids in this city. Or, if I'm going to um, live the Christian life, you know, I need to have this stack of books, and I need to have this environment, and I need to have this so I can serve God. But what we need to do instead is realize that we are helpless to do what God has told us to do without the intervention of God in our life. We could have everything that the world says we need. We could have the riches. We could have the influence. We could have the honor. Whatever you want to put in there. We could have that job that even allows us to come to church. You know, you know, so we have just that perfect job where the schedule is just right. We say, that's exactly what I need. No. What we need to do what God has put in front of our lives is we need the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's what we need. No matter what God has told you to do, there's nobody in this room who's been told to be the king of Israel. Just being honest. So say, well, Solomon was the king of Israel. How does this apply to me? The principle is the same. Here's the principle. Solomon needed the wisdom and knowledge of God to be the king of Israel. Well, what has God told you to do? You need the wisdom and understanding of God. You need the wisdom and knowledge of God to be a school teacher. You need the wisdom and knowledge of God to ride the subway every day and not blow your top. You need, or drive in New York City traffic. We need the wisdom and knowledge of God in how to deal with people as we just walk up and down the streets. We need the wisdom and knowledge of God as we try to witness to co-workers and witness to family workers. As I'm thinking, my dad called me and said, you may end up doing a funeral. And I'm like, I've never done that before. I mean, we devoted about half a class to it at college. That's all I know about it. You know what I need if I'm going to have to do, if, as a do, if what the doctor says come to pass and I have to do a funeral before pastor comes home? I'm going to need the wisdom and knowledge of God if I'm going to be able to be a blessing to that family. Because in and of myself, I am completely inadequate to do what God places in front of me. With Union Baptist Church, pastor isn't sitting in the back saying, well, you know, we really need about $500,000 more dollars. And if we just get $500,000 more dollars, everything will be cool. No, he's back there and he's praying. Now, that would be great if somebody walked in and said, here's $500,000. We'd be going, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But even if we had that, we would still need the wisdom and knowledge of God to do what God has put in front of us. So what do we do? We need to humbly seek God and His wisdom to do His work. Whether it's every single day, we need to get down on our knees, get in His Word and say, God, I am an inadequate to do what I don't even know may come in front of me today. Or there's a situation that comes in your life. A co-worker. Whatever. We all have 
health situations. We all have 50 million things we could plug into this. And you know what the answer is? We could go and we could all write our list of, well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. But that's not the heart that Solomon came to God with. Here he was, the brand new king. He's like, well, I need people to respect me. I need people to honor me so that when I say, because, I mean, I'm young. My, everybody knew my father David. I mean, my father David killed Goliath. He just walked in the room and everybody instantly respected him. I don't have that. So I need you to do something in my life so I have that. No, he said, God, I need your wisdom and I need your understanding. I'm going to start off with seeking you for your wisdom and your understanding so that you can give me what I need. And you know what the, the amazing thing is? When we go to God, you know, you, you say, we say, it'd be wonderful. Wouldn't it be cool if God would just show up and say, Ask and I will give it to thee. Wouldn't that be cool, you know, if we had that and it says, ask what I will give thee. And God commands us to say, do that. Well, you know what? If we read Matthew chapter 7, 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. In Ephesians 3, in chapter chapter 3 and verse number 20, Paul's writing, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. When we seek God, when we say, God, I am an inadequate, I need your wisdom, I need your knowledge to serve God, and we put that first, that is what is in our heart, suddenly, we can find God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Because we do not serve a limited God. We do not serve a God who is unable to provide what we need. He knows what we need before we even reach that situation. He knows our future. He knows what's going to come. And He is more than willing. He wants to give even more than we need to meet each situation. But if He just gave that to us, we might become more like that driver who's driven for 20 years. Just get in the car. I know what I'm doing. I got this. No. Each and every day, we have to come before God. Realize that no matter how long, whether I've been saved one year or I've been saved 20 years, I am still inadequate. To do what God has put in before me. I am still unable. I am, even though I may be 80 years old and the king of Israel. I have all this experience behind me. I still need to be dependent upon God. And when I have that heart, when I am humbly seeking God and His wisdom to do His work, we can find God can give us even more than we thought we needed. Even so much more that the blessings are just there and all we can say is, it wasn't me, glory to God. God wants to do that in our lives. But so often, we're, we have our list and we're seeking what we need. We may need those. 
But what we need more than anything, if we're going to serve God, is His wisdom and His knowledge. Seek that. Seek God. Realize our inadequacies. Humbly realize that we're not capable of living the Christian life. And suddenly that opens the door to God giving us more than we could have even thought to ask for. But we have to seek God first. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, study your word, Lord, and we understand how great you are just a little bit more, Lord. And Lord, we need your help. We need you, Lord, this week and every day. I just pray that you would work in hearts, Lord, and if anyone needs to come forward and pray that they would do that, and that we would just take a moment and thank you and submit to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Just before we finish that prayer, we'll just take a moment. You need to come.